Welcome back to The Queer Q. I'm Nick, and I'm here today with Ashley Hardenberg-Cartagena, who is a queer filmmaker known for Role of a Lifetime and A Single Evening, which focus on queer women and queer women narratives. Thank you so much for being here today, Ashley. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is just awesome. Yeah, it's great to be able to speak to a queer filmmaker, a queer indie filmmaker, and uh, I'll just go ahead and jump right in. So I would love to know, what is your process like when uh, crafting a film, going through the process of choosing what kind of projects you work on? What is your process like as an indie queer filmmaker? Um, I think the, the most important thing is that I have to connect to it. I have to feel like I'm invested um, I don't want to work on something that's just uh, that I don't feel I can relate to. Um, and so when, especially like when I'm writing or taking on stories, um, I have to feel like there's like that thing in you that just goes, mm, you know what I mean? Where you just really resonate with it. So, you know, looking at stories and I think especially like from the writer director perspective, I always try to have a clear narrative, but I also always focus on the fact that I don't believe that queer narratives are restricted to queer trauma. So to me, it's very important to make sure that we are celebrating and actually make sure that it's not just focusing on the downs, um, you know, or sadness, like there needs to be, and I think that's also just important for general character growth and character depth. Um, there needs to be these levels. So um, that's like the most important thing is, you know, character and making sure that I resonate with that. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense, you know, especially because um, when you bring up queer trauma narratives, you know, that seems to be something that is pervasive in, you know, mainstream queer entertainment. And, you know, we in our community, we have a desire to see more than just that. You know, we want diverse storytelling about different types of narratives. You know, we, we don't need everything to be so serious all the time. And um, unfortunately, that's not the trend when it comes to mainstream media, not for the most part. So what has it been like trying to get more of these other types of narratives out there that don't focus specifically on queer trauma? I think someone said to me, something to me um, recently that was interesting was like, sometimes you go through the front door, right? Sometimes you take the back door and then sometimes you make your own door. So for a lot of us queer filmmakers, we sort of have to make our own door um, if, if we actually want our authentic stories to be told. So I think it's a lot, been a lot of that. And then also, even when we're doing these projects, um, diversity comes from, you know, from the top down. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you hire a queer or a diverse um, director, they're gonna hire queer and diverse people as opposed to say a project that might be run by a cis straight white man, he's likely gonna hire people that he's worked with before. And you know, it's not, you're not gonna have a lot of diversity. Whereas if your department heads start showing diversity, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna bring on that more of diversity. So, and I think that's where we get a lot of our authenticity from. And a lot of the projects that I've worked on, we have that diversity because we put department heads, you know, we're making our own doors. We're putting ourselves in control of our own narratives and we're creating these opportunities. Um, you know, that's why I've been loving working with AJ Mattioli of Mattioli Productions, um, you know, it's just bringing in and working with queer talent and that's what promotes the diversity and authenticity of the stories. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I love that you bring up AJ because yeah, not even like productions. Um, we here at the Queer Cube, we love what he's doing with his team because it focuses on, you know, being able to provide a platform for so many queer filmmakers. So um, what has the process been like, you know, finding that platform and also which platforms like streaming services and uh, companies that, you know, you support as a queer filmmaker, what are, what are the ones that, you know, you really invest your time in? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, what I've been loving with AJ is he has introduced me to so many streaming platforms, um, which has just been great. You know, Roll of a Lifetime and Single Evening are both available on Lesflix, which I really love. Um, and I believe Fearless um, and a lot of other channels. There's also the accessibility factor of like Amazon, um, you know, which is great because I can tell my mom or, you know, and she, she'll rave about it and she'll get all of her friends to watch it, which is to me is really wonderful because I don't think that queer stories are only for queer people. Like, I think that's the point is that it can reach to like a larger audience that we're not just restricted to ourselves. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I like that have the option to be streaming for a larger audience as well as to, you know, our own people <laughs> um, yeah. where we want our story streamlined. Um, so those are some of the, the ones that the platforms that we've been introduced to. And I think it is important to have, you know, platforms that are for a larger audience and then also platforms that are, you know, more focused on queer stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, we're trying to find a balance as artists and filmmakers of trying to appeal to a wide audience because we want our stories to be told. You know, our representation in the media is what influences how society treats us. But we also need to create films that are for our community because, you know, that is, you know, what our purpose is, is to create about our community and everybody under the umbrella of our community. Um, so talking about role of a lifetime and a single evening, I'd love to know what the process was like with that. You know, what were some of the things that you've learned and, you know, who did you make those films for? Oh, that's fun. Um, so they're both very different films. So role of a lifetime, we, I was actually shot first and that was, um, AJ had a friend who had the script and I, what I loved about it was like, it was basic, it was a thriller, you know? It's just this really fun thriller and the characters happen to be queer. And I love that. Like, it's not about being queer. Um, and, you know, we can cast it and have all of these people behind the camera who are queer and it's still just a fun thriller. Um, and I think that that's just so fun. Um, so that's how that story kind of came to me. And then A Single Evening was more so one that I wrote and directed. And then I, I went to AJ and said, hey, I really wanna work with you on this. And I also worked with, um, Jose Alvarez, um, who I worked with on Killer Unicorn. Um, and they just, they, they just knew, you know, it's like, I work with these people because I really like making sure that queer talent is involved. Um, and that's what they did. You know, they made sure that I was happy with how the stories were going and that the stories themselves were good and that the people working on them were, you know, maintaining the authenticity for the stories. Yeah, you know, because these movies, they do feel like they can reach a broad audience because of the universal themes that are displayed. And, you know, it's showing queer people and narratives that have predominantly been focused on non-queer characters and non-queer narratives. 
And so, you know, just seeing, you know, ourselves just in these worlds, not focusing specifically on our queerness, it's just incredible to be able to portray that and convey it to, you know, a mainstream audience as well as ourselves. You know, I think that's where we're looking for, you know, the trajectory of representation to be like, you know, just have queer people living their lives. There doesn't have to be a specific queer narrative involved. Um, also, there are some very important narratives that have to be told about specific, you know, members of our community, you know, stories that haven't been told yet, because we've had a lot of great queer representation in film for um, a lot of cis white, gay, um, queer men and women, but not so much when it comes to other stories about members in our community, like our trans individuals and other of our queer gender our genderqueer members as well. So I think, yeah, there has to be that kind of balance there, right? Yeah, and also, I, like, it, it does amaze me sometimes, like, I'm a bisexual Latina, and there is still a bit of some, some rampant biphobia within the queer community, <laughs> and I'm not here for it. So a lot of times, like, when I'm doing my stories, like, I do try to focus and, like, put some, put some bisexuality in there because, like, we belong in the queer world. We are queer. Um, you know, and I, I think that I don't like bisexuality being used as a plot twist, which I think that Hollywood does a lot. They're like, oh, surprise, this person goes both ways. Like, you know, my, my identity is not a plot twist. It's just my identity. So I think that that's also just a part of helping to create those, the, these stories that we create, you know, create a platform for that to be shared and to AKA normalize it, but not necessarily to the point of like being normal for a straight cis white audience, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah, because, you know, we have that erasure within our community. There's a lot of gatekeeping within the community. And, you know, that transcends yeah. into mainstream society and culture. And so it's like we are, you know, on exactly. the front lines yeah. of how we represent ourselves. Um, you know, I, I think bringing up how important it is to show that representation, especially for the bisexual community. Um, what are, are a lot of your inspirations? What are some of the, the films, filmmakers who really inspired you to get into filmmaking and to focus on these narratives? That's really interesting because I, I don't necessarily know if I've had like queer icons within filmmaking, which is really interesting like I was raised my dad raised me on like action films like lethal all the lethal weapons and like buddy cop movies um and then my mom was like a music one so she was really into like freestyle music um so a lot of my like music capabilities I think come from her um and I I you know my dad was a, a movie freak so I was obsessed with movies but not I wasn't seeing a lot of like queer filmmakers to look up to and this also my relate to with how late in life I, I came out to my family, um, which was a whole process, but actually still grappling with that. Um, you know, I came out to my family like four years ago and it was like a, a shock for <laughs> I had my, um, I had one family member who was like, how come you never told us we need to protect you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I need their protection. <laughs> I just need you to be aware. Um, but even still like now, since I've come out, it's just been this like, I'm seeing more queer stories and I'm able to even pinpoint like when a queer story feels authentic and when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that I can take my influence from like 
those buddy cop movies, those thrillers that my dad used to make me watch. Like I can take that and still put a queer spin on it so that, it, but it still fits within that genre. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like, there's no like core queer narrative. Like we can do comedy, we can do musicals, we can do buddy cops movies. I would love to see that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I hope that that answers your question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does, because um, it was very much the same way for me. You know, I didn't get my queer film education really until, you know, uh, just recently, like a few years ago. And so I was raised on like classic slasher horror films and on romantic comedies, um, a lot of like, you know, cishet romantic comedies, of course. And so those are a lot of my inspirations as well, you know, when creating. So I think you know, there's just this beauty of how, depending on what media we're introduced to, that we're able to, you know, just like amalgamate all of these different genres and narratives together to create something that hasn't been done because our identities influence that as well as our upbringing. It's incredible. So, um, you know, veering a little bit away from that but definitely in mind for you know what your interests are if you had all the money in the world to create a project you know (laughs) what I know you that like dream question it's like what what would be your film that you would create okay I have always wanted to do like I love doing musicals I really want to do like an action musical with like freestyle music and like but like kind of slashery so like if I could do like a Mortal Kombat musical but like like the super queer version of that um I just think it'd be so kick-ass like it would be so much fun you could have a really bumping sound like I don't know if you've heard of Kim Petra's icon um but that Halloween soundtrack that she did basically she came out with this album that was something like that and put a movie in it and then like have some super dope like fight scenes and super dope dance scenes like wicked choreography I just think that would be that would be like my dream come true (laughs) yeah and we don't have anything like that out there like I think the closest thing to that is like like baby driver and it's like we need something queer out there you know we need like a true musical so I love that and you know I think we can still create so much even without like an unlimited budget you know because that's what we do as queer artists and queer filmmakers is we have to stretch the dollar and do anything that we can to make sure our projects get out there so you know what is it like trying to fundraise for your projects and you know what advice do you have for other you know up-and-coming queer filmmakers who are trying to get their work out there I love this question because I feel like I have been looking for lots of answers like this too so I love to be able to pass on um just you know ideas I mean, it's a struggle, it's difficult. Filmmaking is really expensive. And a lot of times you're pulling in favors. So if you can work on projects and, you know, networking is everything, but even just being a friend and a good person, you know, call those people and see if they wanna work with you on this project that you feel passionate about. Um, Crowdfunding is really difficult. It can be helpful, but it is a process. You have to be committed to it. You have to be really good with social media. I ended up hiring a company because I just didn't want to do it. And it was actually one of the best things that I could have done because they handled so much of it. Um, but I still had to do the work. You know, it's, it's almost like a, like, it's like coming out again, 
because you kind of have to like, um, <laughs> you have to put yourself out there, but like so much so that it just feels very vulnerable. Um, you know, like they were telling me, Oh, make a video, do like a live stream, like make yourself, you know, do photos and say that you'll sing a live song. Um, you know, if you get this many followers or something like that, like it's, it's tough. So you really have to be prepared to put yourself out there if you want a successful crowdfunding campaign. Um, so, but it can work. So just be prepared for it. It does take, it's not just like, I'm going to open a Kickstarter for $5,000 and see, you know, you really need to like put yourself out there. You know, if you want to do a project, think about what you want that project to do, right? If you want, um, I'm making this project so I can have a better reel of like my directing capabilities. Then for, you know, you can ask for a script or write a script that might showcase that more and seems, you know, budget friendly. But if you're thinking like, I have this dream project and I really want to do this, like it's okay to take time and not rush into things, you know, and to maybe wait to do things right. So there's sort of two sides of the spectrum. You know, there's a whole spectrum <laughs> always, um, you know, you can, you know, I, I swear, sorry, I want to backtrack a second because the only way to learn is by doing. That's a big thing too. So if you're like holding on to this one script and you're like, I only have this one project, um, and I want to wait and I want to do it like perfect and correct. Um, so maybe find a way to do like a piece of that, that can be a proof of concept. You know, you're only going to exercise your skill of directing or writing by actually doing it. Even if it's just with like your iPhones, like practice it, flex that muscle. Um, but then be prepared if you want to fully commit to that project that you have to put yourself out there. If you're going to do crowdfunding or you have to call in some favors, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, but eventually it gets easier because you get skilled with it. Just like you're getting skilled with continuing writing and continuing directing, you know, you're building that muscle. So yeah, that's I, my advice. <laughs> I think it's the best advice. And I think it's the most common advice that's given. It's mostly to not be afraid, you know, to just get out there and to just start because a lot of people they'll set goals for themselves, you know, to make sure that they're creating that perfect project because of course, you know, everything that we create is a passion of ours, but we spend so much time planning and perfecting it where we don't want to put ourselves out there because we're afraid of what will happen if it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. And so it's like, you just have to, you know, take that leap and just do the work, use your iPhone. I think that's like the best advice that any filmmaker has given is just use your phone, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, Tangerine was shot on an iPhone, you know, Sean Baker did that. And it was a huge, you know, a huge film for the queer community. So um, I think we can wrap it up and talk about, you know, what you're working on next, you know, what should we be anticipating for you? And, you know, plug your social media, we'll put all the links down in the description. But, you know, plug yourself and tell us about what you're working on next. I'm super excited because I'm working on another queer musical short. Um, it's going to be, it's called The Breakup Musical. We haven't released anything yet. We're probably going to launch like a very small campaign. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, check on my, you know, I'll be posting on the Instagrams and all that stuff. 
Um, but it's a, it's, it's a musical, basically just about three people who are very self-centered and still trying to figure themselves out and they just should not be in a relationship. Um, and of course one person prevails. Um, it's super short. It's super cute. It's a musical. We have these amazing singers. I just got the mixes back like a week ago for the songs. They did such an incredible job in the vocal recordings. Like I'm just so proud, um, to be working with these really talented and they're all queer, which is a great, we have an entirely queer cast. We have almost an entirely queer crew. That's the shit I live for. Um, and it's not a story about being queer. So love it. Um, that's the next project. Um, and I'm supposed to be moving to Los Angeles in July to continue pursuing the writing stuff. So, you know, hopefully you'll be hearing a lot more about me soon. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, it's just been so awesome, first of all, to be on this podcast with you. I'm so happy that you reached out. And I'm I'm so thrilled for anyone who does get a chance to watch things like A Single Evening, A Rule of a Lifetime, and to support queer artists. That's what we do it for. And it, the thing is, it's not just queer artists in front of the camera, it's queer artists behind the camera. So I think so often they're forgotten about. Um, and, you know, that's why we do it. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Yep, that is why we do it. So everyone, this is Ashley. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and discussing your films, your process, and just yourself and the wonderful filmmaking that you do. So thank you again. Thank you. This has been so awesome. I'm so flattered. Um, yeah, thank you so much.